Danny Pellegrino here with a very merry iconic podcast here to tell you about AMC Plus with best Christmas ever on AMC Plus. Every day feels like Christmas morning from new holiday favorites like Elf and one of my personal favorites, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. You can spend the holiday season opening up only the good stuff. Plus, you'll get a stocking stuffed with highly acclaimed AMC series like The Walking Dead and Mad Men, new series like Gangs of London and The Walking Dead World Beyond, and you're also getting your favorite iconic Christmas movies without having to search. AMC Plus is available on all your devices. AMC Plus, only the good stuff. Welcome to Golatza, the Mexican football podcast from the Football Grad Network. I'm your host, Bryce Dunn. Joining me, as always, is Manu Vets. Manu, how's your week been? Yeah, good. Um, busy. We got the World Cup, World Cup uh, qualification previews on the Football Grad Network, and the uh, the first six are posted. So it's been busy, but good. Always good. How are you, Bryce? How's it going? Yeah, not too bad. Everything's good. I certainly noticed one of those uh, previews, uh, but we're uh, we're not going to talk about that. We don't need to talk about Northern yeah, Germany. Very conservative uh, prediction. That. Very conservative. I'm sorry. Um, I should have put down six or seven nil or something like that, eh? Oh, we're not going to get into that, but just watch out. We're going to get that one set piece and, and take advantage. Anyway, we're going to ignore this uh, just because I'm right. Um we're gonna call today's uh, podcast the welcome back ollie podcast ollie you you've you've left us for a while i know you've been traveling and and obviously uh work does tend to get in the way for some of us doesn't it um, but um it's great to have you back on here i know it's been quite a long time since i've had to talk mexican football with my two favorite people to talk to it about now it's great to be back again yeah work's actually been able to slow down this week with the international break so I've got the chance to just talk everything I want to talk about Mexican football. Uh, not too many uh, late, ma- late night matches for you this week, I suppose, which is might be a good thing, I, I suppose, for you and, well, maybe anyone you live with. Uh, it well. will be, yeah, just to get some normal night's <laughs> sleep for a bit. <laughs> yeah, and won't do you any harm. But, um, <laughs> yes, uh, guys, let's jump in. As Ollie just mentioned, it is the international break this week. Uh, we will be talking about uh, Liga MX all in good time. But let's start off with uh, El Trey. And uh, as we all know, they've already qualified um uh, uh, quite comfortably, really, if, if if we're honest. But there's two games left uh, over the next few days. Uh, first of all, uh, Mexico will be taking on uh, Trinidad and Tobago um, at home. Well, not actually at the regular home manner, are they? I mean, what, what's happening there? And this game is going to take place at the Estadio Alfonso Las Tras in San Luis, uh, Potosi. And... Um... Yeah, I mean, several reasons the earthquake in Mexico City, but I, I think it's also the opponent, Trinidad and Tobago. Um, I, I don't know if L3 would have been able to fill out a 90,000-seat stadium, um, you know, for a match against a country, for two teams, you know, the, this World Cup qualification is over for both those teams. 
Trinidad and Tobago um, are more or less gone at this stage. You know, they cannot qualify anymore. And Mexico have qualified. So it's, I, I think, going outside of Mexico City um, and, you know, going to a smaller crowd is sort of a way to do, you know, get away from the city of, you know, the earthquake. Uh, we'll get into the earthquake maybe a little bit, but um, just to, to, spread the, the national team around a little bit um, around the country. Um, Ollie, would you say, um, I mean, I, I suppose we don't want to go into the uh, disaster uh, a little bit too much. I'm, I'm sure people are, uh, well, looking to move on really, but um, mm -hmm. would you say that um, all of this would um, possibly affect the l players and, you know, maybe the move of stadium. Do, do you think that that could possibly come into things? I, I mean, yes, the result almost doesn't matter, but, you know, it, being an l fan, you know, they, they always want to see a great performance and a great result. Yeah, possibly a little bit. I mean, if they were able to play in Mexico City, it could have been a good way to maybe honour what has happened. But with everything around it, it's probably best that they did move it out to uh, San Luis. Um, I don't, um, it could affect them a bit, or it might just, they they want to put on like a show for the country. And like a lot of these Mexican internationals who obviously all play, most of them play in Europe, this is probably their first time coming back to Mexico since what's, what's uh, transpired there. So they probably want, they probably, they were like, they feel charged in it and put to use this in a good way to put on like a positive performance for the fans. Yeah, Oli, you mentioned something interesting there because that's something that hearing Lozano spoke out on. Um, coming back to Mexico for the first time yeah. since the earthquake, I think you're quite right, you know, coming back. And I think it's an emotional time still for the country. And I'm curious to see how, how they're going to handle that match because of that. Yeah, I mean, there could still be, it's probably this still going to be a grieving process. I think it was one of the chief as players, uh, Edwin Hernandez basically said that the league should stop for a month to like fully get over it. So it's clearly like, so is how much it is affecting certain players. And they're going to be coming back and witnessing this like firsthand. They've probably seen it on TV, Twitter, etc., And getting an actual glimpse of what's happened is probably going to really hit home for them even harder. Yeah, most certainly. I mean, it's obviously hit um, all the people um, you're know, living in that area, but mm -hmm. you know, it, it, it then goes a little bit further onto a, uh, to other people that may have spent time there in the past or maybe have friends or family there as well. So it's, it's definitely coming back and seeing it um, makes it more real, doesn't it? And you just don't know how players uh, may react to that, uh, you know, that, that travesty. Yeah. Uh, but talking about uh, things on the pitch, uh, Ollie, uh, what can you say about um, you know, the call-ups, the squad, and how, how do you think uh, the players and Rosario will be looking to approach this game? I mean, it's not really many surprises. It's a very similar squad, if, if not, I, I don't know what the, their last squad was, but it's what the one they called up. I think the fact that they really want to win this, um, the uh, Hex, that, that they weren't, he wasn't going to take any risk with chopping and changing it already. I mean, obviously that's what he does like during games as well, so you'd expect to see a lot of rotation between the first and second game. But yeah, I, 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 I can just see a very similar starting eleven to the last to the last game, I think so. Yeah, even though uh, Osario likes to uh, chop and change quite a bit, doesn't he? But uh, I was saying that um, I have a feeling that 
possibly from here on in, I, I kind of hope, you know, there may be the odd exception that comes into the squad, you know, that wasn't there or thereabouts anyway. But, man, I, I feel like Osario really from, from here on in should be focusing, you know, on honing that, that best 11 that he's got, that, you know, maybe a plan A, B and possibly C, you know, for the World Cup. Well, he's been doing nothing else, Bryce. I think he's been honing a plan A, B, C, D, E, F, G. I can go down the entire half of that. <laughs> well, I suppose maybe I should be saying that maybe he should be um, uh, honing his plan A, will I say, because uh, he seems to uh, chop and change almost a little too much. I mean, to predict his um, his, his best 11 or uh, his style of play that he wants to uh, approach the game is a little bit challenging after his time there. I mean, we, we've seen so many different lineups. Yeah, and I think that's really what it comes down to now, right? Because the World Cup is, oh, we're getting there, uh, is 10 months away. And there isn't too many games. We have the two World Cup qualifiers. Then there is a break in November, right? I believe there's two to accommodate the the playoffs, uh, be it the intercontinental playoffs or be it um, the, the Euro playoffs um, or, you know, any kind of playoffs really that take place all, all over the world to determine those final spots. Um, I think that there isn't too many games left to, to put together and, you know, put together that starting 11 and, um, develop that chemistry that you need to, to go deep into a World Cup. And I think, uh, this is a good time to maybe get that started because like these two matches, they are com- going to be competitive, uh, but at the same time, you no, know, it's it's also um, not everything is on the line anymore for the country. Yeah, the the team to a degree, I suppose, uh, can relax um, almost. But I suppose um, before we talk about the uh, the next game against the Honduras, there there is a little bit of pressure on Osario. Uh, Manu, isn't there? You were t- I think you you mentioned that there was some internal issues. You get the sense that anything but first place finish will be not enough. And, you know, that sounds ridiculous given how well they have done. I believe that they, if they win those last two matches, it will be the best ever record at the, uh, that L3 has set in the World Cup qualifications that stage. The, the best previous one was set by La Volpe. Um, I had of, 20, FIFA World Cup 26 at uh, 2006 uh, in Germany, of course, and it it kind of sets it all. It all kind of puts it into perspective, I think, because look, they've played eight games, they've won five, they've drawn three, they've done a lot better than in the last World Cup qualification, you know, where they were basically at the whims of the the U.S. national team, and that's definitely not the case this time around. Uh, in fact, it's kind of the odd, other way around um, this time um, because the, the final match against Honduras could be crucial for for the United States. So I, I think that a lot of the criticism is way too harsh. I mean, I know it goes back to that defeat to Germany and the defeat to Chile, but this is this is potentially the team that will have the best ever World Cup qualification record. Yeah, very exciting. I mean... Just seems like it wasn't that long ago that we we're talking about um, who could possibly replace Osario uh, after the Confederations Cup or you know, the Gold Cup. But 
But I think we all agreed, didn't we, previously that you know that there's not really a better man for the job, you know, and, and his qualifying uh, campaign has kind of showed that, Ollie, hasn't it? I mean, he's it's you know, obviously he's two games away from it being flawless uh, practically, but um, yeah, I, I think um, people maybe being a little bit harsh on him, and they should at least give him to the uh, World Cup to see how he gets on. And and with that, um, Ollie, how do you see them getting on at the World Cup? I think it'll be interesting. Um, I could see them doing all right, probably last 16, maybe at a push the quarterfinals. I think this could be the tournament where Chucky Lozano really stands out. He was going to be such an important player for them. I mean, he started his PSV career, ridiculously well. If he keeps going on like that, they're going to have like a real star of the Mexican team. I mean, there's also going to be time between then that he might, again, try and fine-tune his tactics, his plans, his plays. He might get something back from injury, but... I think Mexico will be looking, and he will be looking at potentially the quarterfinals. But I think there is last sixteen is probably what I think is the best I can go for, really. Yeah, I would have to say that probably getting all of those groups into the knockout stages would um, would would keep a lot of people happy, and obviously yeah. the further they go, even the better. Um, but then, Ollie, if we just come back, then how how do you see the team getting on in in their second game when they go to play Honduras? Do you see Rosario doing what Rosario does best and really changing the side, or or as as I suggested earlier, do you think he will just um, try and pick a similar eleven in the two games? I think it's just he's going to really rotate for that one. You like you think they they probably will be Trinidad, and that will basically all but give them top spot in the group. And I think for then he's going to like he's going to look to rotate. He's he's always seemed to rotate in the second game, basically regardless of how important it is. So I think we could see get a few of the youngsters starting again. So like Edson Alvarez will probably get another start in that game. Eric Gutierrez probably will get another start, and some of like the fringe players as well, like Elias Hernandez, and maybe and maybe some of the other like backup keepers. Oh, that's potentially yeah. really bad news for the United States. <laughs> yes, yeah. If, if they then go weak and then to possibly open up a chance for Honduras to sneak in there. Yeah, because the yeah, United, that's it. Uh, United States against Panama, right, and then uh, yeah. against Trinidad and Tobago. It is, yeah. Yeah, it's it's definitely tough for the US. The US. Obviously, could win both games uh, and qualify, but yeah, it's it's not a position I think they would have uh, wanted to have been in. Uh, you know, going into the final two games, is it? Um, and obviously, Mexico were very happy to be in their position. Um, Manu, there was uh, there was a finding though for the FMF um, happened uh, recently. What well, what exactly has gone on there? Well, recently, this has been basically uh, a constant. Every time the chant. Is shouted FIFA basically issues uh, a fine for that game, which is fifteen thousand uh, US dollars. I didn't realize, didn't realize it was for every game. That's it was for every game, and that's big. why the number is now at one hundred and fifty thousand. You know, cool. it's basically ten charges, right? And um, it's accumulating with no end in sight. And this is a lot of money, you know, Bryce. One hundred fifty thousand. You could you could probably fund. Uh, three or four football fields for, for grassroots somewhere in Mexico, right? And this is this is money that's being basically wasted away because um, some fans think it's funny um, to be discriminatory. And I, I just don't, I just really don't get that. And I mean, we have talked about the chant and the damage it does to individuals and uh, how silly it is that we still have it. But when you, when I saw this number, I mean, you actually, you know, it's costing the Federation um, a lot of cash and this money, yes, 
the grand scheme of things, we're talking millions of dollars that are being paid for player X, Y, Z. And it doesn't seem like a lot, but you know, when you look at the federation level, that is money that could be used for something completely different or something better. Yeah, very much so. And I know some of the uh, clubs that had they moved to try and uh, eradicate it from you know from their games, and you know, obviously the FMF, you know, they should be trying uh, equally as hard, or if not even harder, because this this then goes up against uh, other nations, you know, and uh, it's something the whole world can see, and you know, they they don't want to be associated with that, and these findings are completely unnecessary. You know, so uh, but we're going to continue talking uh, about the uh, FMF, uh, but we're going to move to the clubs and move to uh, the TV rights deal. Manu, we're going to go back to you uh, on this one. Uh, some people have said it's uh, a bit controversial and, uh, well, it's, it's upset quite a few people. Uh, explain what exactly has happened there. Oh, yeah, the new TV rights deal, or the, rather the um, old TV rights deal that has been... Um, extended and that's that's basically um the fmf uh, with televisa and tv azteca they're the the two huge stations in mexico right um and they had a deal in place before and they extended it uh, past or until the 2026 world cup which many people of course um are expecting to be taking place in the united states mexico and canada and this deal was now slammed by the um, owner of Pachuca, Jesus Martinez, who basically said, well, there was a better deal on the table. And uh, this deal, deal on the table was a joint bid from NBC Universal, Telemundo and American Mobile, which is owned by Carlos Slim. Um, Carlos Slim, I think by some accounts, one of the richest people, if not the richest person on the planet. And he put down a deal that was a lot more. Uh, Martinez described it as amazing. And um, the only sticking point for FMF was that there was an automatic renewal clause for the, the television uh, companies. But, you know, you almost wonder um, if this deal was so amazing. Um, you wonder almost but if there, there was more to it. But do you see, I mean, we, we've talked about it Manu, in the past, uh, as have uh, several uh, other people, obviously, um, saying that, you know, it, uh, you know, a strong TV rights deal, um, especially an international one, could really promote the league, uh, do it some good. But do we see this almost as a bit too old fashioned? This isn't a, a step forward? Well, this is for the national team only, right? Um it it is old fashioned and it, the problem is of course that the the, the TV companies TV Azteca and um, Televisa have direct influence on on the clubs and the clubs in turn have very strong influence on the federation and the national team more so than in any other country you know in in most countries the the national team is an independent entity and clubs have some say but not very much. In Mexico, there is a board of directors meetings and those board of director meetings by the big clubs, um, the political, they're almost like political entities. They decide over the national team coach, they decide over TV contracts, they decide over how the FMF is run. Um, and that is, that is something that's very different, I think, 
from from other countries you know usually it's the kind of the other way around that the the football federation has an influence on the league not that the league has an influence on the football federation and that is also because of the way and this is this is a Latin American phenomenon when you look at countries like Brazil or Argentina uh Colombia as well where television companies have a lot of power and influence over the the way the football is run um and it's it's an interesting one and i can see politics being uh, a a major you know a major driving force behind this politics and football eh we always like to try and keep them <laughs> apart but they always come back together don't they um guys uh, let's finish up uh with uh, El Tre. i'm sure uh, some people may just want to hear about the uh, the league action you know that that's what um, gets us all excited mostly i suppose but uh, i suppose the final question is um, you know looking at the uh, group um we're going to go to uh, to Oli on this one uh, who who's going to qualify with mexico costa rica and panama i think i think usa and panama is going to be a draw and then Panama, what I think they're home to Costa Rica, and Costa Rica pretty much already through. They're home to Honduras. They'd like likely beat them. I can see Panama getting a result against Costa Rica, seeing them through, and USA will be in the uh, playoffs. The intercontinental yeah. playoffs. I see that too. I believe that yeah. too. Well, then that makes three of us. If I'm being honest, <laughs> I have a slight hope that it could be Honduras. And the other thing that I actually kind of would like to see is. Uh, is uh, Syria against the United yes. States in the Intercontinental Playoffs. <laughs> that, oh, uh, it has to happen. It has, it to, has happen to happen. Because I would be curious to see how they're going to handle that international travel ban that uh, <laughs> President Donald Trump put in place. And I'm curious to see what will happen if they potentially say no to letting Syria into the country, if the FIFA would have to act because it would be political influence on football. So... <laughs> That is just maybe a side note. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I take it in the playoffs, then it, there'll be, a, you know, if, if these two uh, nations did meet, it would be a, a home and away leg as well. And you know, that would be a rather interesting, wouldn't it? Um, as you just mentioned, Manu. But um, yeah, well, um, as much as I would like to see Honduras uh, get in there, it's always, I always like to root for the. Uh, the smaller guys, if, I, if I'm being honest, um, that yeah, that that would be um, a match. I think uh, everyone uh, around the world would be uh, tuning in to to read uh, read about and uh, watch. Eh? But um, guys, I think that more or less does it for Elsewhere. We will obviously uh, talk about them uh, in the next week or so. Uh, we'll be tuning tuning in to uh, see how they get on. But Liga MX, let's go to it. Um, Ollie watches a million games a week, so I'm <laughs> so happy to have him on here uh, to talk about it. Um, obviously, there was a bit of a break, wasn't there, uh, with the Copa MX and uh, Liga MX uh, to do with the uh, the tragic uh, earthquake. But <laughs> but things um, are, are back once again. And, yeah, it, it's good to see. There was a bit of... Um, well, a bit of unity shown from the clubs, which, which was lovely, wasn't it? And uh, yeah, we we just uh, we're glad to see the football back for the for the main reason that you know when these things happen, people need distractions. You know, life life can be difficult and challenging, and it, it it's good to have football back. Okay, well, let's talk about it. Uh, what what game to uh, talk about first? Um, well. I don't even know where to begin, to be honest. Uh, let, let's talk about uh, Lobos. Um, 
Lobos have had a, a bit of a, a tough time of late, haven't they, Oli? But um, uh, after a great start, then they kind of dipped. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, what are, I was going to say, what do you think's going on there? But there's almost too many bloody things going on there, isn't there? Um, uh, <laughs> where do we where do we begin with uh, Lobos at the moment? I mean, Lobos are just mental, just on and off the pitch. I mean, off the pitch, you've got the situation with both Lewis and Julian Quinellas. With Lewis has now been banished, well, not banished, but from the team because he basically wasn't following the um, when he when he got an injury and he's been out for like a couple of weeks. He basically wasn't following their training scheme for, to get him back fit, so he's been cut aside. Then you've got Julian Quinellas, who was obviously involved. I think I mentioned this on the pod when I might have been last on the one before when he was involved in a fight with another player in a club and one of the players got cut and then he's gone back and there's been done more, done more bad stuff. So now playing with the under 20 side and then on the pitch, I mean, you've got the past two games where they beat Chivas 2-1 in like last midweek with an unbelievable winning goal. And then they got absolutely battered by Leon at the weekend, but that, and then they missed two penalties back to back in that game as well. And that game could have easily ended about like seven, seven, seven or something like that. I mean, they're just an insane side all around. There's almost a little bit too much going on there, isn't there, to even predict <laughs> where, the, where this is going to end. But sorry, Manu, I interrupt. Yeah, um, and this, this is something, that a question really that's formed in my head over the last two or three weeks. You, you know, I do a lot of match previews and um, then we have get people at stadiums for the Football Ground Network covering these games and we always have the little statistics going on and it's something that I've noticed really kind of globally, uh, Ycaps games, Champions League games, Liga MX games. And I'm really curious to hear your thoughts about it because you watch probably, you're one of the few people that probably watch more football than I do. And, <laughs> um, ball possession stats. Now this is, this is another example where Chivas had 62% ball possession. Mm-hmm. Um, Lobos had 38. But yet Lobos won this game. And when you look at all the other key stats that that in this game, Lobos were leading. Is this, are we experienced the death of looking at possession stats? Possibly, or it might be what the teams actually do with the possession. I mean, the Chivas Lobos game, for example, the first half, I mean, Chivas dominated, dominated the ball, but did absolutely nothing with it. And that was one of the worst first halves they've ever seen. But then Lobos, I mean, they were just they were playing on that counter. They played at like the five three two or five two three, and it just works for them. They're able to quickly spring counters. They've got some pace up front, and they were just getting in behind time and time again, creating chance after chance. They could have been about three 0 up at half time. That would not have flattered them at all. I think. I mean, I think that we probably might get onto Chivas and the problems they've got at the moment. But I think it depends on the team. But there is obviously a way that counter-attacking football is probably the way to go at the moment, especially for Lobos. It's working well for them. Because we, we saw had a similar phenomenon with uh, the, the PSG Bayern game um, mm-hmm. last, like 10 days ago, I guess it is now, where, where PSG had, I think they only had 25% ball possession and yet they yeah. still dominated that match, you know, seemingly. It's it's an interesting one, and it's it's something that I've been really looking out for. I mean, we have an example here with the Whitecaps. They always um, they're currently first in the Western Conference, but they never have the majority of ball possession. Quite the opposite. They actually, I think, they're last and or second last in Western Conference with the least amount of ball possession. Yet they're first. It's an interesting phenomenon because you you see it in Liga and X quite a bit as well that the teams have 
the less amount of ball possession are the teams winning. Yeah, I mean, I think the only team that may break that mark is probably Tigra, who just mm. I, I I don't know what the possession is off the top of my head, but it must they must have like sixty percent at least every game, and they don't do a lot with it most of the time. It's a lot pass, 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 pass. It does get a bit tiring, but because they've got that firepower up front, they can afford to do that, and they will just create so many chances. Yeah, you're right. I actually that could be the next game to discuss. Actually, Bryce, yeah. <laughs> Tijuana against the Tigres, and it it was forty seven to fifty three percent ball possession, yeah. and it's when you look at all the other stats, it's uh, total shots thirteen to six, seven to four, five to zero for Tijuana, and yet uh, Tigres won the match. Um, it's interesting, but you're right. I mean, I guess that's because of their talent level, right? Yeah, I mean, going forward, it's ridiculous. They I think their front four for the past couple of games has been Aquino, Vargas, Valencia and Juniac. And you just know one of them is going to do a moment of quality. And that's what happened in the game against Tijuana. The ball came to Juniac on the edge of the box. He sort of turned, played in Aquino down the line, crossed it and Vargas hit on the volley into the bottom corner. And that's the game. When you've got people who can just do moments like that, it doesn't, you can just keep the ball and pass it around because you know they've got four game winners in that side. But that was a quality game all around. I mean, that's maybe maybe two of the two of the best teams, two out of the top four best teams maybe to watch right now. I think Tijuana have been fantastic. Actually, probably since you've been last on the pod. <laughs> yeah, it's like I went away. I think I was probably last on Tijuana were doing terribly and then I left yeah. and now they're flying again and they haven't won in three. So I feel like my appearance on the pod coincides with them doing badly. Oh, Bryce, we need to bring Cesar back to break the jinx. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think we would. I know, just talking about uh, possession stats as well, I mean, I remember looking at uh, the start of the season um, when Monterey were, uh, and they're, they're still high-flying, you know, don't get me wrong, but um, at the start of the season when they were really blowing uh, teams away, uh, majority of the games, I, I think maybe it was the first first five or six anyway, I think uh, all of them, they, they had less possession than the other sides, um, you know, which just goes to show that, you know, I suppose we got used to for a while anyway that you had to have the ball, you had to make millions of passes. You know, this may have been influenced by, you know, the Pep Guardiola and Barcelona side, but they, they were a type of team that when they did have the ball, they had such great players that they could do this, you know. Uh, but I think everyone tried to replicate that, didn't they? And a lot of things have very much changed. You know, you don't need to uh, win the possession. I mean, some coaches say possession doesn't win you a game, and, and that is true. You know, we're, we're seeing um, teams being dominated possession-wise, but if you don't take your chances, it doesn't mean anything, does it? But, um, yeah, I, I, I agree that uh, there's something funny about Oli and uh, Cholos, uh, but uh, we'll... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I know the, the per, per team, uh, but... Um, but uh, Bryce, yeah. you bring up an interesting one here. I uh, because Monterey uh, been a been unfortunate because they won their last game before the earthquake against Atlas, two one right, and they had fifty nine percent ball possession. Then that midweek game was cancelled, um, and then not a great performance on the weekend against um, Keretaro. Yeah, Keretaro. Um, you almost wonder if that break was the worst thing for them because they were in such an amazing run and everyone else around them kind of were able to take a little bit of a breather. You know, and then on top of that, of course, there the, the, the suspension against Santos Laguna with the bad weather. That's, mm-hmm. uh, I, I think at, at that stage, just, you know, if you want to you develop a rhythm, 
um, six games left to the playoffs, I guess seven for Monterey. It's, it's not exactly what you want at this stage. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what way the international break then works for them, whether more time you are away from that than being on the pitch uh, is going to be at a detriment to them. As you mentioned, many of them not performing maybe as well as what they had done before this, or whether the international break will be able to get them to sort themselves out and get going. And they've got Pachuca next, and, well, Pachuca have been hot and cold, but probably more so cold. I mean, Ollie, what's what's your opinion on the, on the break, of, obviously, up to this point, affecting them, Monterey's, uh, well, their, their run of form and, and, and the international break? What do, what do you think that could possibly do for them? I mean, it may affect them slightly. I just still look at Monterey and think, regardless of this break, it probably it might take them a bit of time to get back through the into the getting into gears again, but I look at that side and think this is going to be the winner. They're just so strong, and it won't take them long to click again and to get back to what they've been in the first seven or eight games. I mean, they're still unbeaten. One seven of their ten got that game in hand against Santos Laguna to replay. I think they, I think they'll be fine once once they, once they get playing football again. I think the break will it won't matter to them too much. Yeah, but I, I would say that. Um... Yeah, I'd be a little bit surprised if they managed to uh, to throw such a handsome lead away at the top. Yeah. But um, but yeah, maybe maybe Manu's right. Maybe there is something that's just uh, affected them a little bit. You know, we always talk about these Possibly, breaks yeah. being being beneficial or or maybe uh, being you know a, a bad timing for different clubs. It's but um, playoffs football, Bryce. Ooh, <laughs> yeah. You want to be well, hot. You want to be hot at the right time. That's right. That, that's so. it. And, and we've seen Tigres do it to uh, didn't we, last year? And they just hit Bournemouth. Well, they they were just blowing away teams. And uh, I, actually, in talking about teams uh, doing that, um, I feel at this moment we should probably talk about Gignac. I mean, he's not really had the best of seasons, uh, I would say, so far. Uh, but he's always got that in him, hasn't he? You know, when it goes to the to the Ligia or it comes to the final few games and he just bursts onto the scene. Yeah, he's, a, he's an odd player. I mean, since I've taken over on been watching Mexico, which has been about a year now, during the regular season, he's been absolutely dreadful. I mean, he'll score goals here and there, but he, there was times last season where he just didn't look bothered. I mean, now he's got Vargas and Flincher around, so I think he's a lot happier now that he's got some quality players around him, but he'll just he sort of like go wanders around for like the first 17 games and then will just suddenly turn up and just score like five and three and that's probably what you want from your star player I mean prior to that he was just smashing in goals like when he first joined he was smashing in goals for Tigre just all over the place so I guess Ferretti sort of molded him a bit in his own way I think to sort of play to what Ferretti thinks are the strengths of the team rather than the strengths of uh, Geniac because there's a lot less long-range shooting now for example yeah some have been saying that that you know, there's been been less activity on the wing uh, for Tigres, and possibly this would affect him because he's very much a box player, isn't he? Where actually the the team have, as you said, uh, changed their style a little bit, and we've seen someone that that we all um, all called out uh, to possibly have a good season it was Eduardo Vargas, and he's yeah. he's, he's he's had a great season because uh, he likes the ball on the ground, doesn't he? You know, and he he likes to get in the ground, he likes to run at people, you know, but. He's there for assists and goals, you know. He's he's quite involved rather than just being a out and out goal scorer. Yeah. But uh, yeah, let let's uh, let's look a little bit more at these uh, midweek games before we get to the uh, 
the weekend matches. Uh, I mean, we've seen uh, Leon um, at home put in a, a great performance against uh, Club America. Uh, Club America, I mean, started a little bit slow. We, we kind of mentioned that they might be having a transition year. Then they managed to get going again. Um, this was a, a little bit of a stumble for them, wasn't it? But um, but Leon seems to be doing pretty well, don't they, uh, Ollie? Yeah, I mean, under Gustavo Diaz, they're absolutely flat at the moment. I think they've won four out of four since the joint thing clicks include the uh, proper next five out of five. I mean, against America, they definitely got lucky with the goal at the end with the ball, the other ball being on the pitch at the same time. And I've never, I mean, when uh, after the final whistle, I've never seen Herrera that angry. I've, I've never seen a man's face actually go purple before. He was just absolutely, <laughs> he was absolutely fuming. I was thinking I'm going to go to bed and see his fishes, but he was just berating the ref for like five minutes and he had America players trying to pull him away and he was just still there. I mean, I mean only, got all, only got a one-touchline ban, but that could have easily been a lot more. But no, Leon are playing some really good stuff at the Deers at the moment. Like With Torrente, I think a key player for, or a key player for Leon is um, we've got Alex Mejia, who's looked reborn now. He looked like the old, of the old when he first joined, but Elias Hernandez, who... And Torrente is... Might not be like utilizing him properly, or he just looked a bit like sluggish. But these past five games, he's been incredible. Like just goals and assists now for, and just helping out Baselli, who's just now just scoring goal after goal every game. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. I, I, another one where we need to point out of course is um, Mauro Baselli, the, yeah. the Argentine forward who's now leading the league with uh, nine goals scored. That's phenomenal. Uh, really good strike rate for for them, but <laughs> that, that I just want to really quick go back to that Herrera incident because I yes. thought <laughs> <laughs> this was actually the maybe even the best game I've seen. I know there was only three goals in it, but it, this was a fantastic game, and I think the refs actually did get this wrong. Um, mm-hmm. That the ball was it was kind of interfering with the play, right? I know that we had a similar situation with uh, between Bayern and Hoffenheim on the Football Grad Network a couple of weeks ago where a second ball was on the pitch but was literally on the other side of the field and the rules say if the ball doesn't interfere with the play, it's actually fine. Um, but in this case, I think there was the ball on the pitch and the, the Leon, uh, I can't remember, who crossed the ball in. But... Um, he was playing the ball right past the other ball that was lying on the pitch and I'm pretty <laughs> sure... The rule book says that needs to be called off. And uh, I can see why Herrera was fuming. And that's the right word. He looked a little bit like an angry, uh, like, uh, an angry rooster a little bit, right? It's like, just like <laughs> puffing his chest and, and uh, yapping at the, at the referee. And the referee, I think, uh, the, when you read the, the faces on the, on the pitch, you get the sense a little bit that the referee maybe might have understood that he did a bit of a, a boo-boo on that one. <laughs> Almost certainly, yeah. Yeah, most certainly is right, yeah. Um, but uh, more, I suppose, uh, you know, controversial circumstances was uh, Monterey versus uh, Santa Laguna. We, we obviously mentioned about uh, you know Monterey stumbling a little bit, but good Lord, that was some bad weather, wasn't it? I mean, I, I suppose it was the right choice in the end, but, uh, you know, I don't think I've ever seen anything like it. Yeah, the rain just, like, came from absolutely nowhere. I mean, in a space of, like, five minutes, the pitch was just absolutely flooded, and it just, like, didn't stop. And it's like, there was no way that game was going to continue on. Yeah. Mon- 
Monterey just not getting to play games at all uh, these days you know, because <laughs> of uh, well acts of God will will we uh, label them. But uh, yeah, we we also seen uh, midweek uh, as well. Cruz Azul finally losing. Um, yes, that's right. We are how many match days in? We're uh, well, that I suppose that was their tenth game, wasn't it? Um, at that stage, and this was their first loss. Something that. Normally, we couldn't say about Cruises O, but yeah, they've been much improved this year. Yes, I'm sure they would have liked to have turned some of those uh, draws into wins, but um, yeah, it, it's been a pretty good, um, it's been a pretty good um, campaign for them, uh, Ollie. But uh, this four uh, 0 was um, probably not uh, anticipated. Yeah, they were pretty dreadful, especially in defence. I mean, they've got they've got a few players out injured, and I think it was Jordan Silver who came in. And he just looked all over the place at the back. He was at fault for at least two of the goals. And one of them was just him putting in one of the worst non-tackles, if you, if you choose the phrase, I've ever seen. Going forward, they just looked they just looked like totally out of shape. Just not the crews I was expecting. Like, even like Edgar Mendes just looked off it. I think it was just all around just an off day. But I think overall, if Jemez had to, he was definitely taking this at the start of the season, the pressure he was getting last season was just immense. The, the call for him to go was just seemed to, seemed to be just week after week regardless of what, what happened. So he's, he's definitely a piece of fans at the moment and just needs to get through these final six games and into the Ligia. Yeah, good old Paco. I, I really didn't see him pulling it around at all like he has uh, this season. But um, yeah, the, the, that game did see that um, you said that they were per an attack. Uh, mm. I think we can all agree on that. Uh, but <laughs> I've, I've just looked at the the stats as well, just to back me up, and 18 shots, two on target. Oh, yes. That's pretty bad. But Manu, how good was the uh, Honda goal for Pachuca right at the end? That that was something special. Yeah, wonderful. Uh, I think it's been coming right with Honda, and um, kind of finally get to kickstart his season. But you know, um, as wonderful as that as that uh, goal was, um, Jonathan. Uri Tavasiskaya, um, Uro, as they call him, because his name <laughs> yeah, you'll is so I long. Choose, I choose not to say his name much. I mean, God, <laughs> if you listen to the, the Gang of it's Press spelled podcast, I can Uri barely Uri Tavisgaya. I'm probably saying yeah, I'm it never, wrong, too. I'm never going to get that right. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Manu's They gave him a 9.8 score at Sofa Score, and I got bang on. I think that's, that's brilliant. Uh, he was fantastic. So, um, Maybe player of the week in the in Liga MX period, but um, yeah, Honda finally scores. That's only good for the league. I bet you the Japanese TV audience just love that. But you know, another thing that I want to point out uh, is the the reaction that we got from from Cruz Azul um, this weekend on Sunday against Pumas because this this would have last season this would have derailed Cruz Azul this kind of result, but. Boy, were they good against Pumas. I watched this game and then, wow, they were fantastic. That 4-1 win against, um, against Pumas was just the, the perfect answer, I think, to this midweek disaster. Yeah, couldn't agree more. That's uh, obviously the perfect way to get back at it. Um, I, I mean, Manu, there, there's a lot, a lot going wrong, isn't there? You know, with uh, Pumas uh, at the moment. Um, but, you know, they were even 1-0 up, but uh, then managed to give away four. Ollie, we spoke before the uh, podcast started, and you said, actually, Pumas um, at the start looked looked all right. Yeah, they were doing 
totally fine. They, it was very similar to how they started against Toluca, and they ended up in midweek, and they lost that as well. They started well, got a very lucky deflected goal, and then just sort of do well for 30, 35 minutes and just sort of concede a sloppy goal. And I was actually, actually like, look, half-time 1-0 in that game, and then second half concede a sloppy goal, and it all went downhill from there. And this one, I think, the turning point, I think I touched it when we were speaking off as well, that uh, with Nico Castillo going off injured, and then they brought on a young 18-year-old who only had his first start for his senior team in midweek and didn't look great, but then he's playing up front all by himself. He can't do much. And as the game totally changed, you haven't got him up front to like do the running in behind and holding up the ball. He's just going to keep coming back and back again from Cruz. And they was able to easily capitalise on that with Rodriguez and Mora getting two apiece. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I think there's many a problems, isn't there, with Pumas? I think it goes uh, beyond the pitch. Oh yes, yeah. Uh, yeah. Mm. They're, they're, uh, well, their their side over the years they used to bring up uh, and, and be respected for bringing up youth players. And uh, well, this was one occasion, I suppose, that you know an 18 year old shouldn't have been exposed to something like that. But I, I we we've said many a times, haven't we, that Castillo is is a player that you know that that team just relies on and if he's out for any length of time they've just got nothing really at the moment they're yeah, completely yeah. out of answers or did that last in the group did that last sorry holly <laughs> just to draw. Right, no um yeah did that last it's it's looking really poor yeah no sorry i just gotta to touch on just castillo i think he says he said a few days ago when he went off injured that he's been suffering with like an ankle injury for about seven or eight months now mm. so and that's the same one he keeps getting time and time again. So clearly he's going to have to go to surgery for it and miss a period of time because otherwise it's going to keep affecting him for the rest of his career. You know, but I think that might be a good thing, Ollie, um, because yeah, they're, no, too, oh, yeah, they're, they're yeah. too dependent on him. And of course, he mm-hmm. had, he needs to heal. He got this injury playing for Chile, yeah. I, be- I believe. And um, there's always there seems to be always issues when these players go down to their respective uh Football associations down in South America. I know that Argentina and Brazil have sent players back with injuries. I know Chile is the same, um, without treating it properly. And, um, Liga MX teams have facilities second to none and they're better equipped to deal with these injuries than, than most teams. And he needs to heal. And as a result of him healing, uh, I mean, you know, Pumas is now, they, they got seven points out of 11 matches. And thankfully, no no fear of relegation because of the way the relegation works in Liga MX. But look, they need to they need to stop being dependent on him. And may him maybe being out is going to do that for them. And him coming back fully fit that can only into a functioning side, of course, can only help them in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. Because whenever he's out injured, there's the only, the only talk is, "Oh, when's Nico back? When's Nico back?" So it's yeah. like it's like. We know you're dependent on him. This is even more so, and this like gives no faith in the players that are probably going out to play, thinking, "Well, we can't do anything without Nico here." Yeah, agree. Well, obviously, uh, Cruz Azul um, are sitting in sixth, but we'll uh, we'll come back to uh, talk about the Ligia and who we all reckon will. Uh, well, we'll we'll end up in the Ligia, and uh, maybe we'll even uh, talk about how far some of the teams we reckon will go, but. Uh, Let's talk about the other end of the table uh, with Atlas uh, coming up against uh, Veracruz and Atlas coming out on top there in the uh, relegation battle. And Manu, this is this is a, a massive win for Atlas. Yeah, big. Um, I mean, it's hard to believe that Atlas are in this relegation battle, and you know this this result is of course big for them because it's it's also kind of puts them back into that. 
um, Liguilla hunt. You know, they they now have 13 points. They're three points behind eighth place Morelia. They have a game in hand. Of course, that game in hand is against Monterrey. So, um, yeah, I'm not sure if they if they're gonna get much out of that. But it's um. This this three points was good because when you look at the relegation the relegation standings, it's now sixteenth is Atlas um, with one point one four one zero points average over the last five seasons, half, five half seasons uh, sorry six half seasons, and um, Keretaro are behind them with a one point one three nine two point average, and Veracruz are now last with a one point one zero one three point average. If this doesn't make sense to you as a listener, we have um, uh, our very first podcast that we did, the Golazzo podcast, just go all the way back. We we talk about all the rules and regulations that govern the game in Mexico. It's a little bit more difficult in promotion, relegation in, in Liga MX. But anyways, um, this three points are huge for them. Uh, a, to maybe get back on that Liguela race and B, to fight off relegation. Um, the, the rule also says if you are relegated, you are not going to Liguela. So um, they need to get points, points, points wherever they can get them really at the moment. And Oli, can, can I just say, did, did you manage to watch this game? I, I had a little bit of a, an issue uh, tuning into this one, unfortunately. I wasn't actually. Sorry, I was only able to see some extended highlights to it, but oh, I, I was eager to hear how Ravel Morrison got on because he came off the bench. He did, yeah. From what I've seen, from what I've seemed to very briefly saw, what I've seen on Twitter, he seemed to do all right. He's still very lacking match fitness. I mean, in the two games I've seen him prior to this one, which was in the Copa Mex, I think Copa Mex and Liga Mex, he look, he's still looking a bit rusty. It would take time to just build up match fitness. I mean, he barely played since like early this year, really. But he'll he'll slowly integrate into the side. Looks he'll probably won't become a regular starter. He'll look to provide backup, I think, to when... Well, I mean, as, as we mentioned uh, before, uh, when you weren't here, um, Ollie, that, you know, he, he is a hell of a talent to that. He just... Oh, yeah. um, he's never really managed to, to find a club that could get that out of him. Um, going to Mexico, we are, we obviously said, oh, is it the right place for him? But um, if, if they can make it work, you know, that, that, that could be a useful player to have in their squad. Definitely, yeah. Someone off the bench when he's fully fit can do do anything. He's got really quick feet. He's, he looks very good over free kicks, and he should yeah provide some good backup when they need to come off the bench. So hopefully, in a few weeks' time, when he's fit and ready to go, properly fit and ready to go, I should say, he should add some quality to the team that is much needed. Yeah, I, I agree. I think when you look at some of his key stats during this game, Bryce. Um, didn't obviously not stand out too much over the 45 minutes, which is, which, which is, I guess is okay. First game in, uh, we'll, mm-hmm. we'll give him time, but pass accuracy over 29 passes, one of 91.3%. That's decent. That's good. That's, that's not too bad, eh? Yeah. Well, let's, let's just, uh, watch this space in the, uh, in the next few uh, weeks, and uh, maybe the international break will do him no harm. You know, maybe he'll get spend a bit more time on the training ground. You know, yeah, as long as but, he doesn't uh, get into the taco stands and finds uh, mass bars, we're all good. <laughs> <laughs> well, exactly. God knows what else that man's capable of getting up to. But behave yourself, Ravel. We want to see the best out of you. Anyway, um, 
we, we were going to move straight on to uh, to Tigres versus uh, Chivas, which is obviously the the biggest game of the uh, weekend. Uh, but uh, Oli, I remember speaking to you um, about this, and you said you've just missed a hell of a game between Lobos and and Leon uh, at three 0 But um, can you very quickly sum up just the carnage that was in that game? I can try to. I mean, that was just just mental. I mean, Leon were superb. Like that first half, they absolutely destroyed them. Could have been four or five nil up. And then Lobos came out in the second half and then just battered Leon. But then Leon were playing on the counter, missed two. They tried twice to square for an open goal, missed it, missed numerous chances. So they could have scored about seven or eight. Lobos had so many chances, so many good chances. I mean, Yarbrough for Leon, that's the best I've seen him play. I mean, I, I love to criticise Yarbrough. I just don't think he's that good a keeper, but he actually was very good. Saved one penalty. Lobos obviously missed back-to-back penalties. I mean, yeah, it was just... It's it's hard to put into words how ridiculous it was. If there's any, I, I recommend anyone, if you just want to have fun to watch 90 minutes, just watch that. And breathe. Yeah. <laughs> I should <definitely laughs> right. <like> more. <laughs> well, well, you were quickly brought back down to earth, weren't you, when uh, you played the uh, so-called biggest game of the weekend? Uh, as I mentioned, uh, I even did a, a preview for uh, for the Football Grad Network on this, and it didn't quite live up to the hype. So, did it? I didn't. I, I specifically asked to have this one live as well, and it was just so, just meh. Yeah, it just, I mean, to, fair to, fair to Chivas, they defended really well. For 92 and a half minutes until they gave away a penalty, which was maybe slightly contentious. But yeah, I mean, Tigre just, that's what we said before about Tigre. They love to just keep possession. They pass the ball around well. Didn't create that many chances. Costa wasn't really tested. I think the big thing for Chivas, for them, Polito going off injured again, is going to be obviously a massive mistake. He's only just come back from a dislocated, no, a broken arm, sorry. And he just, he just adds so much to that team. And without him there, they'd have to rely on Saldivar up front, who's just not very good. Yeah, Oli, the interesting one in this one, guess who had more possession in this game? Was it Chivas? <laughs> it was actually Chivas. Yeah, 50, I would not have guessed that. <laughs> 55 on 40 to 45%. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it's, you know, it's just, I, I find this fascinating. It's something that I've been kind of tracking lately. Um, all the other key stats are, Total shots seventeen to seven, uh, yeah. shots on target five to two, shots of target six to three, block shots six to two, shots inside the box nine to four, um, act accurate passing eighty one to eighty, mm-hmm. and uh, Tigers were winning the foul game and <laughs> they had twenty to sixteen fouls. But it's interesting <laughs> that um, you know that the Tigers actually gave the possession to Chivas in this game, and yet at the same time you would almost think that Tigers did way more with the ball and Chivas didn't really, they seem flat. Um, yeah. Very flat. Um, well, Chivas have um, had a problem that they were quite a possession-based team uh, last season, weren't mm-hmm. they? And it worked rather well. But um, this year, they they've, I mentioned it in the preview that they've actually uh, given away ball possession far too often. That They've been dispossessed, um, I think, more than any other team in the league, and they've also um, got, I, th- I think it was the purse, or the second purse off the top of my head, um, uh, Jules won as well, so they're actually giving the ball away, and then they're not winning it back, you know, so so maybe, you know, they've looked at this and said, fine, give them the ball. Yeah, decode yeah. it, 
the the game might have been decoded, uh, Bryce. You know, because that's something that worked for them last year, and now even the big sides like Tigers are like, nah, let them pass it around, see what they can do with it, and then we'll just hit them when it, you know, when it hurts, when 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 they're vulnerable, and that's what happened to sides like Bayern, Barcelona. Um, you know, big teams that were just then hit on the counterattack. So, you know, maybe that's the way it's going right now, tactically, that, that teams are saying, well, we don't really need the ball, the, not that often. We just need to be efficient when we have it. Yeah, most certainly. But, uh, Manu, you, you mentioned that there's a rumor as well about uh, Almeida's time at uh, Chivas maybe uh, coming to an end. Yeah, this is interesting. Remember when we had Tom Marshall on and he kind of warned us that um, it's not whether Matthias Almeida is going to get the sack or not, but it's whether he will be getting frustrated about uh, being with Chivas, his players, his, the possibilities, the financial possibilities that he has, the limitations that he has, and um, that he may leave and uh, Apparently, he has an offer from San Lorenzo in Argentina. So maybe something, if it, if, if something more coming to it, um, maybe bring on Matt Hawkins from the Football Grad Network, who was, was an expert on San Lorenzo, very well connected with the club and something to keep an eye on. But yeah, apparently he has an offer, uh, from, from San Lorenzo and, and Argentina. And I guess that's really, I can tell you all I can tell you at the moment. And Ollie, um, let's uh, let's move forward anyway. We're just uh, closing in towards the end of the uh, podcast. And we said that we would talk about the like, yeah, it's it, We've obviously got Monterey, America, Tigres, Leon, uh, Toluca, Cruz Azul, the Caxa, and you know Morelia all sitting in there at the moment. There's only six games left, but you know things can change massively in that time. Uh, it's all very close, and that is it. Is there any teams that you would say you'd be that well that you think will get into the Ligia that will be the surprise package either to go further or even just su- surprised to be there? And that includes even teams that are sitting outside at the moment. I think the teams sitting outside who are most likely to get in there, I think Tijuana will get in there. I just think they've got enough. They're on a bit of a dodge run at the moment, but they're still only what two points off Monarcos, and I think they'll get in there. I think Pachuca as well. They're slowly, very slowly getting it right and getting all their players back fit and this international break was help as well. So I think Pachuca will be the side. It seems to have weird Pachuca side to watch out for because obviously everyone knows about Pachuca, but they've been so underwhelming this year so far that they're likely to be the side that will sneak in it. It's probably like the, I think the top six will get in it. That would be Monterey, America, Tigre, Leon, Toluca, Cruz and the Caxton and Morelia for me will just miss out. I think the underdogs... Well, not really underdogs at the moment, so it's such a good run for the overall. I think a lay on if they can keep playing like this and hopefully haven't peaked too early, they'll be massive favourites for me. And Manu, what what would your pick or assessment of the Ligia teams be? Yeah, so uh, I think Monterey, America, Tigres, they they're pretty much assured. Leon have been looking good. I think Cruz Azul will get it too. Toluca, yeah, well, we're more or less confirming what you're saying, right, Ollie? It's hard mm-hmm. not to, it's hard to see them not make it. Um, yeah. Nikaxa, Morelia, um, they're the 50-50 teams for me. I think Tijuana will get in there. I, th- I think Tijuana have looked very, have on, looked on and off, but when they're on, they're really on and I think they will make it, which will 
probably see Morelia be bumped out. Um, interesting to see Lobos actually only two points off the playoffs. So something to keep an eye on, but I don't know if they have the consistency. Well, that's it. I'm, I'm just looking at the fixtures here as well to see um, who could be a uh, surprise packages. And may I just say, so obviously things could be all um, all in place at, at this stage. But if we look at the the final round of games, two very interesting ones are Atlas will play Pachuca. You know, it could come down to one of those teams winning and getting in. But also uh, Nakaxa play at home to Morelia. Mm-hmm. Those, those could be games that you know teams just play off to get in there. Obviously, the biggest game of that weekend would be uh, Monterey versus uh, Tigres, but oh, yeah. both those sides will have already uh, booked uh, their way there for for certain. But um, yeah, it, it, it's it's a bit of a hard one to call. I'm looking at the table, and I, I think um, I think you guys are right. I, I think um, I think Cholos will be in there. Uh, Pachuca will probably sort it out and get in there, but. Um, I'd like to see. Nakaxa have had a great season, better than anyone would have anticipated. And I'd, I'd like to see them evolved as well. Obviously, Lobos would be an exciting story, but uh, they're actually too inconsistent at home, um, I learned uh, in the last week when looking at stats. So, um, yeah, I don't think uh, they'll quite make it. But that more or less does it for this week. Um, Ollie, thank you very much for coming on. We hope to uh, have you on more regularly. Oli, is there, is there anything um, you'd like to point people in the direction of? Anything you'd like to plug? Or where can people find you on the likes of uh, Twitter? Yeah, thanks very much for having me on again. Been a while, but it's good to be back. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at FRFootballOli. Uh, I don't think I have anything to plug this week, sadly. <laughs> That's not a problem. You don't have to have something to plug. I'm just <laughs> glad to have you back. Oh, um, thank you. <laughs> Manu, I, I'm sure you will have plenty uh, to plug. Uh, what have you got going over the going on over the next few days? Uh, loads, I'm sure. Yeah, loads. Um, but uh, most importantly, I'm actually going on a holiday to San Francisco on the weekend. And before that, pushing out all the the the, the previews on on all the national team games that we cover. Chris Williams. Um, did amazing artwork once again. Um, so I want to give him a big shout out. Fantastic artwork on all the, the previews. And then I wrote most of the previews, uh, except for the Ukraine games and, um, one of the Russia games, which will be done by Andrew Flint. But yeah, the first set is out. The first six previews are out. So, um, go over to footballgrad and footballstadt.com to check them out, including, uh, the Germany Northern Ireland preview, Bryce, which you, I'm sure, enjoyed very much. I'm just disappointed that you don't have two different uh, prediction scores on there. Well, what, should three be nil and six and... nil for Germany? <laughs> well, and my one nil, I think. Uh-huh, okay, well, we'll do that next time. How about that? <laughs> All right, then. Okay. Well, thanks for uh, tuning in, uh, everybody. I've been your host, Bryce Dunn. You can find me on Twitter at BryceDunn11. And that more or less does it for now. Um, enjoy the international break. Thank you and bye. This is John Grills from the Creepy Podcast. With Best Christmas Ever on AMC+, Plus, every day feels like Christmas morning. From new holiday favorites like Elf and National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation to modern iconic family classics like The Polar Express and The Year Without a Santa Claus. 
you can spend the holiday season opening only the good stuff. Plus, you get a stocking stuffed with highly acclaimed AMC series like The Walking Dead and Mad Men, new series like Gangs of London and The Walking Dead World Beyond. And you're also getting your favorite iconic Christmas movies without having to search. AMC Plus is available on all your devices. Sign up today at amcplus.com. AMC Plus, only the good stuff. We can get anything delivered from furniture to toilet paper. And now, adult beverages with Drizzly. Drizzly lets you compare prices from local liquor stores on a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered right to your door in under 60 minutes. And right now, Drizzly's giving all new customers $5 off their first order. Just enter promo code EASY5 at checkout. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y dot com. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.